0: Hey sports fans, you're tuned into the Emerald City Fandom Podcast.
1: We're Seattle fans, talking Seattle sports.
0: We're your hosts, I'm Connor.
1: I'm Sam. And I'm Justin. You ready to get started? Let's send it!
0: Welcome back to the pod, folks. This is episode 38. And we got a full crew again tonight. Welcome back, Justin. Thank you. How is Greece?
1: oh man it was fantastic i mean the food the people i could have a whole podcast just on Greece alone but it was fantastic yeah what was your favorite meal oh i need the deets i would have to say it was something called a moussaka do you guys know what that is no Mm -mm.
2: please please explain
1: Okay, so basically it is, I would say the best way to describe it is a Greek lasagna and so it's cooked in a clay pot um, and it's like a little bit of noodle but mostly potatoes and ground beef and a bunch of like Greek spices cooked together and it is. It is just really good. And it doesn't feel too heavy like sometimes those las- lasagnas do. Where it's just mm-hmm. like, a mountain of cheese and noodles and et cetera. But this is lighter, has eggplant in it too, which I'm not a big eggplant fan, but with the right spices, it can be really good. So um, that was probably one of my favorite. Meals.
2: Was there any cheese in there?
1: A little bit, but not nearly as much. It's some feta in there. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Nice.
1: That's right. But yeah, that sounds ton- good. tons of great food. Um, they give you free dessert after every meal there so got what? a lot of a lot of free alcohol after every meal what's there. like the alcohol of choice there like what's the drink of choice um two depending on where you are in greece so there's something called ouzo which is like this white i've heard of that, a yeah. um and that's bad and then there's something on we are on the <laughs> island of crete and they call it rocky which is like this really strong Um, white alcohol as well and that was horrific it's like i was drinking rubbing alcohol so so it's like
2: hard alcohol it's not like wine or anything
1: oh they drink a lot of wine there oh they do yeah tons of wine they grow um, wine on the islands and everywhere there. so lots of lots of wine Um, very um, pretty dry but really good nice but the greeks like to get hammered dude they drink uh, (laughs) out
0: most europeans do but yeah
2: Sounds like a to. great place for Waterboy to take a trip.
1: Oh, I know. That's yeah. why we're, you know, to segue into what am I sipping on. I'm just straight water tonight. No way am I going alcohol.
0: <laughs> you should at least give the context that you're still fairly jet lagged. You got back like two days ago. So
1: I did. Yes, I am a little jet lagged still. So that's another reason to avoid alcohol for sure. Um, you know, well, I almost caved with the peer pressure of these two. But no, we got a strong <laughs> to my reputation here
2: yeah
0: yeah uh, you'll have a, you'll have a beer in your hand by the end of the episode we're going to get you pretty pissed off maybe the
1: if, if sam said we needed to run way more then yeah well <laughs> man,
2: you know it's coming <laughs>
0: <laughs> well welcome back justin thanks for staying up a bit and and recording this episode with us it's good to have you back sam welcome back as well uh as you can you guys probably know at this point listeners we haven't recorded an episode in a couple weeks sam was gone out of town he was hunting and then uh, Justin was in Greece, obviously, so um, didn't record for for a little bit there. <laughs> so anyway, Sam, how 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 was your hunting trip though?
2: Well, it was pretty good. Drank a lot of Red Bull and whiskey, and walked around the woods carrying my bow and a forty pound pack, and didn't see jack shit. So it was a good trip. Pretty much how archery elk hunting goes in Washington State.
0: <laughs> yeah. Did. Cause you, did you find anything? Cause you went out like a couple of weeks beforehand or something like that to kind of scout out stuff. Did you see stuff then?
2: Yeah. So we went pretty hardcore this year. I went out to Eastern Washington probably five times from March to till now to do some scouting trips. And I think it's just without making this a hunting podcast and getting into like elk herd population (laughs) in Washington state, I think with the introduction of the wolf packs in the northeastern corner of the state it's really like changed elk behavior quite a bit so you don't hardly ever see an elk herd of 50 7500 head of elk anymore i think Mm. they're in much smaller herds of sometimes as little as five to ten and so a lot of times you're just out there trying to find a needle in the haystack and so we were able to locate some elk before the season and then when we were out there I mean, we, between getting to Eastern Washington, all the driving we did around there and home probably put over a thousand miles on the truck, but wow. like 60 miles on my boots. And we saw a lot of elk poop, a lot of elk sign in terms of like rubs and scrapes on trees and stuff. And then we saw some elk at nighttime, but it's illegal to hunt and shoot at yeah. night. Yeah. And we just couldn't find them during the day. So it was a rough season, but it was better than last year. No smoke. And I mean, that was terrible last year. So at least we got to have a full week of hanging out with my cousins in the woods and having a good time and getting some exercise. So all in all, it was nice to kind of like unplug and be out of town for a little while. So it was a, it was a good trip, but not a totally successful one.
0: That's fair. I I mean, hunting is just kind of like, an extension of camping but just with weapons and you're obviously like there's a there's a there's a a goal in mind obviously of of especially
2: especially archery elk hunting i think the success rate in the state of washington is three percent Wow, yeah it's a pretty exclusive group to become a part of which i aspire to someday but we'll, we'll see
0: you'll get there you'll get there man i got faith in you but I'm, cool, keeping,
2: I'm keeping the whiskey train rolling. I've got some Jack Daniels and getting a little fancy tonight, mixing it up with some Coca-Cola.
0: Ooh, Give me an extra kick. You, you must Easy. have ran out of boomerang, didn't you? I
2: did. I need to buy some. <laughs> <laughs> how do you know? Uh, <laughs> You'll see an order placed tomorrow morning.
0: <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough.
2: Um, how about you, Connor? What are you sipping on?
0: Well, the, based on the way that our football teams are playing um, – I think this is going to become a hockey podcast so in in honor Ooh. of that I got the Sky Kraken by Fremont Hazy Pale Ale pretty solid That's a good one. Very nice. Yeah, I know that you I know that you've had it Sam. I don't know if you've had it Justin. You're you have Yeah, yes. it's pretty It's a pretty solid option. Pretty solid. All right. Well, we have We have two games to kind of talk about, I guess, but I think we're mostly going to be talking about the Titans game this last Sunday um, for the Seahawks. And you're off to a one and one start offense. I mean, through the first six quarters, guys, this looked like a Super Bowl contending team. And like everything fell apart in that second half. You're up by 15 points against the Tennessee Titans at home. And you just. All, all around, like a, a monumental collapse yeah. on all, all fronts. If you were to point to one thing, though, one unit, one side of the ball, one player, one uh, scheme or one thing like penalties or something like, like, what would you say was the biggest thing to blame for that collapse against the Titans on Sunday? Justin
1: you want to go first Uh, I'll go um it's really tough to nail down one thing because it's the culmination of things in my opinion that led to our demise here right I mean um
0: but if you were to point to one
1: all right so I know you guys are going to go a different direction so I will say I'll I'll pick one I'm on the fence I'm going to go penalties and the lack of discipline with the team uh, sure. when you have 10 penalties for 100 yards that is like just think of Derrick Henry had another 100 yards and he absolutely gashed us in this game right um, just the timeliness and the undiscipline so for example uh, on a third down to have a taunting penalty or um, just a, not lining up correctly um, on a third and two taking a time out um mm-hmm. and then coming back and running it straight up the gut on a not a good look uh, on a fourth and one where we were actually going to go for it I was jumping up and down getting really celebrating <laughs> a fourth and one and Damian Lewis I believe uh jumps for a false start um just the undisciplined nature of this team it was it, I don't know if it's uncharacteristic but it was uncharacteristic to have 10 penalties for 100 yards and yeah that was one of the things that really led to just the. What's the word I'm looking for? Just the Seahawks being really out of sync in the second half. Sure. Sam, do
0: you have a follow-up. Another, to that?
2: We're gonna we're gonna start this up right right here right now, Justin. I, I know
0: where oh boy, you're going here with we this. Go.
2: You gotta run the ball at least every once in a while. Here we go. Seahawks are up 23 to 30 mm-hmm. at the end of the third quarter. There's a minute left when we had the when we started our our first drive that I'll talk about here. You're up by seven, pass, 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 punt. Tennessee takes the ball. We turn it over. We get a turnover on downs. We get the ball back. Still up by seven, pass, pass, penalty, false start, no play, punt. Punt. There was actually, we ran the ball on first down on that drive. So one run, then they tie it up and we have the ball with like only 30 seconds left. So I guess that doesn't totally count, but pass, pass, pass game, fourth quarter's over. We go to overtime In your last three drives, you ran the ball once you're, you were in, you had the lead on two of those drives and we ran the ball once went three and out both times. Like, Most of those passes were incomplete, obviously, because we went three and out both times. It's like that stops the clock. Just run the ball a little bit. Like, I just feel like that could have been the difference. I think there's obviously there's a lot of things you can point to for the collapse. I think that's the offensive piece for me. It's just a Mm -hmm. lack of balance on the offensive side of the ball, not trying to Mm -hmm. chew clock when you have the lead. Those mm-hmm. incompletes and those three and outs killed us on offense. And then on defense, yeah. we were the three of us were texting is like, what are we doing in this prevent zone defense? Just letting them dink and dunk their way down to tie the game.
1: Yeah. Can I respond to that real quick, Connor? Before you go, sure. he called me out, yeah. and I want to. I know.
2: didn't call you out directly. I just know that you don't like to run. <laughs> hey, we,
1: the listeners know what we're talking. But I feel about like here. you're
2: going to agree with me with my sentiment there to uh, to a certain extent. Like you got to a certain extent. Yeah. I
1: mean, uh, you know, uh, starting with thirty to twenty three, and you said at the end of the third quarter, but this is really in the fourth quarter here. Um, yeah,
2: I got confused on the timing
1: uh the the one drive that you're talking about before we gave it to Tennessee the three and out where we're passing it all um all three downs before punting it is it's really mystifying how we Chris Carson only had 13 carries I believe yeah um this is a team that absolutely got dominated in time of possession too I think we had a third of it in this game and so the defense was on the field a lot and they were getting gashed real bad yeah, Real bad by Derrick Henry. And so it would have been nice to slow the game down a little bit. Um, Instead of taking, I believe, one minute on that drive and then giving it back to the Tennessee Titans. And the Tennessee Titans did march down the field, but um made a big play. I think Al Woods did, or I forget who it was. Uh, maybe Hider, there, yeah. um Hyder to stall that drive. And then the Seahawks came back and we ran the ball, like you said. And then just... <sighs> some missed passes from Russell Wilson. Um, I don't attribute those um, and the, obviously the end of half as the wrong play calls necessarily, but the execution specifically from the quarterback, I think looking left too much rather than looking down the centers and doing what Tannehill was doing and checking the ball down was a really poor mistake, especially in the fourth quarter. Sorry, Connor. I think I'm going to stole your thunder.
2: Yeah, I I totally agree with that too. Like whether I think we both would have liked to seen a little bit more balance with run and pass. Even if, to your point, like maybe it's not a designed run, but a check down to a running back or to a tight end here and there would have been a nice thing to see for sure. Mm -hmm. Kind of an easy completion, four or five yards keeps the run or keeps the clock running. It's, it serves the same purpose, in my opinion.
0: Yeah. As I was watching the second half unfold, it looked more like a shoddy offense than it did a Waldron offense, just like with not necessarily the play calling, but, the way that the plays were going as in justin was alluding to it it seemed like it was either deep shots or it was running the ball like basically and it was mostly deep shots like russ all all of his career he has been kind of like a home run guy like he kind of tends to kind of go for the deep shot more than he does to take what's given to him and that's kind of a part of his game i think that has always needed to improve we saw it last week though he he definitely can do it. He did it against the Colts, um, but he didn't do that today or in, in the Titans game. Um, and so I think I think that was a huge thing. Um, I'm looking just like, again, just kind of building off of your guys's points, just looking at the drives here in the second half, especially. Our first drive was almost five minutes, but after that, you have a drive of a minute, 54, a drive of a minute, 34, a drive of a minute, 33, and a drive of 29 seconds, obviously at the end of, end of that half. And then we have a, a minute drive in OT. So fact of the matter is, is the defense was on the damn field the whole goddamn game. Like, if you look at the time of possession, you got 42, 33 for the Titans, 22, 42 for the Seahawks obviously the extra, extra minutes there because of overtime. So it's no wonder why the Titans stuck with the run game and their beast and Derrick Henry. And your defense is going to wear out if you're on the field for 40 minutes. And sure. Some of that is for them. Like they were not good on third down. Like they, they just weren't. And they were giving up a lot of check downs. Like you guys were saying, they have themselves to blame for that, but the offense can also be a, good defense for the defense basically if you're able to sustain drives like just convert some first downs and take some time off the clock like you were saying sam and it doesn't have to all be through the running game though you get the quick passing game that was not there at all in the second half especially not really there at all during most of the game there was not very much quick passing you know get dk in space or get one of your tight ends involved. Like, where were the tight ends? There were no tight end. I think there were, what, two tight end targets? I think both of them were to Gerald Everett. Will Disley didn't even have a target. Um, so it it just seemed like we weren't utilizing the full array of weapons in this offense very well. Um, and, I mean, Tyler Lockett had a great game, so hats off to him, kudos, kudos to him. But we need to see more. More intricacy and more, uh, more of spreading the wealth out a little bit from this offense for it to really function. I think how it's supposed to. I think that's that's what that's what Shane Waldron's offense is designed to do. If that makes sense.
1: It's a slight concern. I mean, Shane Waldron, new offensive coordinator, calling plays. I mean, in this game, we had one second half touchdown against the Colts, which was much less of a a game or a close game that we had one touchdown in the second half and a lot of stalled drives as well. And so, yeah. you know, with the Titans making adjustments and Tyler Lockett calling out after the game is that the, the Titans adjusted and brought a lot of, players off of the side, even blitzing corners and et cetera. And the Seahawks had no answer. And so, you know, these teams are going to adjust. Obviously, if Russell Wilson is torching your secondary, you know, good teams are going to adjust like the Titans. And if we can't adjust to what the Titans are bringing back at us, that's a concern, Um, whether that's Russell Wilson or the whole offense, their offense as a whole.
2: Yeah, that was going to be part of my point as well. I heard, I think Connor, you might've said it, that this looked a lot like, shoddy's offense and not waldron's offense well maybe it's not either of their offense and it's russell wilson's offense after he had his little little toddler tantrum in the offseason about wanting to be you know (laughs) calling plays and shit
0: yeah i don't know i don't know man um overall it frustrating game frustrating way to lose obviously um but you know i mean it if you take a step back we're one and one after two games i think most of us had this team going what 12 and 5 or 13 and 4 i think you had sam something like that yeah and i think most of us had us probably one and one after two games like i think i think we each had us losing either the colts or the titans game if I'm not mistaken. I think a lot of
1: us had two and two because the next two games, yeah. the yeah. Vikings and 14, I don't know which games we picked, sure. but I think a lot, we had two and two pretty, yeah.
0: which I think that's, that's completely like this team is completely comp- capable of, of getting to that mark mm-hmm. um, after four games. So it, where are you guys at on this team though? Like, I mean, they look so good in week one and they looked pretty good. I mean, they, they kind of got off to a slow start, but pretty good. in at least the first half of this game, but obviously not, Not good, not good enough in the second half. I mean, six points by the offense. Like, there's no doubt this offense is the linchpin to this team, and they should be doing better than six points in the second half. They got to close the game better than that. Like, all your stars are on offense, basically, on this team. At least most of the superstar powers on, on the offense. That's where you invested a lot of the money. So, um, it just wasn't good enough, but. You know, it's it's the NFL. These kinds of losses happen. There's a lot of parody in the NFL. Uh, you know, you saw Green Bay, for instance, get absolutely smacked by the Saints in Week One, and then they just trolled the the Lions in Week Two. So they're also one and one, and they're they're supposed to be one of the contenders in the NFC. So where are you guys at on this team? Like, where where are you guys at after after a couple of weeks? And and are you we haven't really talked about this team since the season started. So like compared to how you felt going into the season and where you're at now, what's your, what's your scale on this team?
2: Yeah. I'm not in overreact mode. I think Tennessee Titans are a really good team. Obviously they kind of had a surprising loss in week one to the Cardinals. Yeah. I think we all think the NFC West is super stacked. I think the Cardinals are a really good team. So Again, kind of what we were talking about earlier, not a surprise to drop a game or two here early in the season when you're playing the Colts, the Titans, and the Vikings this upcoming weekend. So, I mean, you hate to see us lose in a fashion with very, with a lot of similarities to kind of the downfall of the second half of the season last year. Kind of doesn't make you feel great that we're repeating some of the same mistakes it seems like. Um, but again, not, I'm, I'm not in overreact mode at all. I think the Titans are a really good team, obviously losing in that monumental collapse fashion is never a good feeling, but I still think the Seahawks are going to be a really good team and it's really going to come down to like how we stack up against the division opponents. And we'll get to find that out against San Francisco in week four. But I think the Cardinals and the Rams are going to be some tough outs for us this season and i i would expect us to be a playoff team i don't know that we're like a super bowl contending team based on what i've seen in
1: the first two weeks yeah i tend to agree with not overreacting i think it's telling that a lot of us were putting a lot of the blame or you know really attacking the offense and there's a lot to you know say what's wrong there but we scored 30 points in the nfl i mean sure when you're talking about most teams scoring 30 points and losing, you would say it's on their defense. So I think it's telling that we're an offensive first football team. and That's how we need to act going forward. We need to really open up the play call, treat it like Jim Harbaugh, treats Snowbar Jackson and making sure we're giving him everything and giving Russell Wilson all opportunities to win. I'm not saying that didn't happen. I'm just saying that's what we need to do going forward because the defense I'm worried about the corners being able to cover anybody. And so yeah. we're we're going to need to score a lot of points.
2: We need Sydney Jones in there. Get Trey Flowers out.
0: I mean, it can't be worse. You might as well try it. I mean, you might as well try it. That's why you that's why you signed the guy, right? That's why you traded for him. So, might as well put him in there. Yeah, I'd love to see Sydney this this next Sunday. We haven't seen him yet out there, so hopefully he gets an opportunity soon. But um yeah, I mean, I, I think I'm for the most part in your guys' your guys's uh, same mindset. I mean, after two games, we should be two and We should be keeping pace with the rest of the NFC West. We're in a really really tough division. That's like the that's the biggest thing is that all the other teams in the NFC West are two and So we really got to keep pace with them. And obviously those those matchups, those division matchups this year are really going to be telling for who is going to actually come out on top in this NFC West division. Um, so yeah, that that week four matchup against the Niners is definitely enticing to talk about, but um we definitely we do have a we do have an opponent before then in the Vikings. So let's talk a little bit about this this upcoming matchup. Vikings are oh and two this year. Uh they've lost to who do they lose to week one? Cincinnati. Heartbreaking Cincinnati loss. takes. Um and then yeah, another heartbreaking loss just now just last week against the uh against the Cardinals missing a missing a kick. Kind of shades of Blair Walsh there a little Pretty bit, brutal.
1: wasn't it? Did you see that their announcer, uh their radio announcer, thought it went in and said it was good. Did he really? He said it was oh, good my and God. then had to be corrected it some, that it wasn't good. Was it
0: was it Paul Allen or yeah, whatever? Paul like Allen. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He's great, by the way. Like he's I'm a sure great,
1: he's a great big guy. homer for the Vikings. But yeah, oh, I mean, He sure. was so excited that it went in, and then it like had to be oh terrible if you're yeah. listening to that on the call. He, he
0: yeah. him
2: and Softy usually have a radio spot together leading up to the matchup. So it'll be interesting yeah. to yeah. see if Softy throws him some shit about that. I'm sure. I he, of course he well, will. I'm sure he will. <laughs> yeah. They're One
0: and Softy's show always does the opponent audio recap whenever the Seahawks win and that's always pretty funny especially whenever the the Seahawks beat the Vikings because Paul Allen's just hilarious whenever the Vikings lose to the, especially just to the Seahawks like whenever the, whenever Blair Walsh missed that field goal they have like that that clip of Paul Allen like the season can't end like that or whatever, like in their intro to that segment, it's pretty great. It's, it's fantastic. Classic. Yeah. Anyway, if we're, if we're looking at the series history though, with the Vikings, uh, Seahawks lead the series 13 to five, the last game. We always seem to have like really kind of incredible games though, with the Vikings, at least as of late, Uh, most notably last year in 2020, when we won a thriller in Seattle, 27 to 26. Um, that was a crazy game. That was a crazy game. That was a Monday night game, I think, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Just Sunday night, we
0: shouldn't have won it that prime game. time. Yeah. yeah. Oh, we. Because Dalvin Cook ended up getting like hurt or something like that, and he was yeah. going off yeah. on us. So he's healthy now, um, and there's our segue right there. <laughs> if we're looking for players to watch, I think he's he's numero uno on this Vikings offense, Dalvin Cook. Uh. Probably a top three running back in this in this league when he's healthy, um, and he's already c- compiled, I think, a pretty good. I need to look him up here, but a pretty good, pretty good stat sheet so yeah. far this year.
2: I've got it for you if you want. He's rushed sure. 42 yeah, for times it. for 192 yards, 4.6 yards per carry, yep. averaging about 96 yards per game. Pretty solid. That doesn't even take into account what he does in the passing game. He's got eight catches for 60 yards, and that's where I think he could really end up hurting us. I mean, just look at how the game ended against the Titans and all the checkdowns to tight ends, running backs. But we just have a difficult time defending passes out of the – to pass catchers out of the backfield, and that's like what Dalvin Cook specializes in. He's probably – uh, in my top of my head second best at that in the league behind probably Alvin Kamara. I mean, Dalvin mm-hmm. cook is dangerous pass catcher. So I, I anticipate him being a huge key to the game, both running the football, but cat catching it as well.
0: No doubt. No doubt. Yeah. Good. Ahead. Go ahead, Justin. Uh, I,
1: I mean, yeah, I mean, the, the Vikings are dangerous. I mean, Kirk Cousins, I, I know he's not the greatest quarterback, but I feel like he gets more shit than he deserves. He's a decent NFL quarterback and has made plays. Yeah. Um, and when you have Justin Jefferson, Thielen, Dalvin Cook at your disposal, that is really – and they have a um, a third receiver who's emerged. too. K.J.
2: Yard. Osborne kid. Yeah,
1: Yeah, he's yep. been really good for them as well, especially against the Cardinals last week, so – you know, the corners are going to have their hand full again. I mean, yeah. we're going to have Trey Flowers on one of Thielen or Jefferson. That doesn't excite me, right? No, and so,
2: it's going to be high scoring. So you're Justin right.
0: Jefferson is really good. really good. It's really, really good.
1: good. Really good. Uh, so that scares me a lot. And so that means we're going to need to score points. And luckily, the <laughs> Cardinals just showed that you can score a lot of points on this Vikings defense. So we're going to need yeah. to do the same thing. It's also interesting. We've never played at the Vikings in their new stadium. So we last haven't. Time, no, the last time oh, we played yeah, the Vikings right. in Minnesota was that terrible wildcard game. Oh yeah,
2: at the Gopher Stadium. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the
0: freezing <laughs> yeah. cold, like ten that degrees. Was or something. brutal. Doug's incredible catch over the middle. You remember that, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah that was. Yeah. yeah, it was quite the game. Didn't that uh, was it? Lockett that had like a super long completion or something like that that was super fluky i think yeah yeah it got down to the
1: five or whatever it was yeah
0: yeah it was like kind of a catch over the middle and then suddenly he was like taking off towards inside the inside the five-yard line or something yeah yeah i somewhat remember that that game i we had no business winning that game but we (laughs) somehow came out on top. uh yeah and justin you just talked about it their defense is definitely scoreable on uh they don't have a lot of Shining stars on their defense. Uh, their def- defensive end, Danielle Hunter, is a pretty good pass rusher. So we'll definitely need to make sure that we're blocking him well. He's got four sacks already this year in two games. So it's pretty good, pretty good average there. Um, and then obviously their linebacker, Eric Kendricks. Last uh, name should f- sound familiar. He's related to Michael Kendricks. I believe they're brothers, right? I'm not sure. Cousins. I think they're brothers, but I can't remember if they're brothers or, or their cousins. But they are related. I know that. Um, good linebacker for years, and he's obviously their leading tackler. Their secondary is pretty suspect, so I I do like our that that matchup with with our wide receivers, um, especially if we can get D. Eskridge back. You could really feel his lack of presence or his absence. On Sunday, I thought um, just it, it seemed like he opened up some schematic things for the offense that they weren't able to do with the pl- other players that were filling in for D. Eskridge. Freddie Swain isn't quite the jitterbug that D. Eskridge is. Um, so I, w- I was really surprised. Sorry to like go back to Sunday's game, but I was really surprised that we didn't see more two tight end sets on Sunday too. Just I felt like that was kind of where the strengths – Strength of the offense was. I would rather see Gerald Everett and Will Disley out there than Freddie Swain. I think. I don't know how you guys feel about that.
2: Yeah, I think it's situational. But if if I had to determine who would have more combined targets, Freddie Swain or the two tight ends combined, like definitely want to have both Will Disley and Gerald Everett a bigger part of the pass offense than Freddie Swain. Yeah. So that'll be something to watch. I mean, I think we talked about it before. You know where we're, where the tight ends were. So we'd love to have them have a bigger part in the passing game. Uh, do we know what D. Eskridge's injury is? Like it was a concussion. Okay, oh, that's right.
0: So as soon as he's out of protocol, then he should be good to go. But I would I imagine pretty he's pretty optimistic for this week. Yeah, I would. Yeah. I would imagine he should be fine for this week, but. You never
2: know. I would answer that question differently if it was DS Gridge. Like I'd rather have him have more touches just with his ability, you know, with the ball in his hands in the open field is so much more upside than either Everett or Disley without a doubt. Whereas I think Freddie Swain is, I mean, obviously he had, he had the big long touchdown, but that was just totally coverage.
0: Right.
2: So you can't really necessarily write that up as like a great play by him.
0: You could have had fucking Ethan Posick out there catching that ball and <laughs> yeah, he would have probably. been able to outrun the rest of the defense. Okay. Yeah. It's that was not, that was not all Freddie Swain. Right. Yeah. But right I, place, right time. So credit to him. Go yeah, ahead, Justin.
1: D Eskridge is exciting just because you can do a lot pre-snap as well with him in motion yeah. and, you know, getting the, you know, getting the defense either to follow or not. And that tells Russell Wilson right. a lot of information as well that we weren't doing at all, especially in the second half. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, that he, excites he, me.
0: He might be a more of a key cog than we thought going into this season. Just, I think Shane Waldron's offense really revolves around that third receiver being kind of a threat in multiple facets of of the game. Whether it's on a fly sweep or in motion, pre snap motion, moving around the defense, um, quick passes, over the top passes, like Eskridge can do all of that. Um, so. I, I hope that he's back this this week, and I hope that he's on full display. So we just talked about D S Ridge, but who are some other players to watch for you guys on on the Hawks this this week? I think we need some bounce back performances for a few guys that are on this list that we have here. But um, go ahead. If, if you had anyone off the top, Justin.
1: Yeah. I'll let Sam take the positive. So I'll, you know, like the bad guy I am, I'll take the negative. (laughs) Um, Brandon shell went out with an injury. I don't know. I haven't heard the extent of that injury and what that's looking like. So I put Jamarco Jones on here, just assuming that shell will be out. Sure. Um, That is something to watch. I mean, he's played some games for us in the past where he's looked a little shaky. And so with this offensive line, I would say played pretty decent so far this season in his first two games especially the first game we're gonna need jamarco jones to play really well on that right hand side I, th- I think gabe jackson by the way has been pretty good um through the yeah,
0: first two games is. um
1: and then something to watch on the cornerback i mean i mentioned that they've been shaky and trey flowers i mean that he's been really really shaky i mean julio um, what did you say? I was dominated by Trey Flowers in the pre-show. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh a big Flowers big of a had him yeah. in a bag. <laughs> yeah, had him locked up. Uh <laughs> he really worries me. I think he's been pretty bad, obviously, through these first two games. It's concerning that Witherspoon um wasn't even a look to you know take that second spot that we had to trade him away um so hopefully sydney jones can come in and take that spot or trey flowers plays a lot better than he played because that was that's not going to cut it against justin jefferson and adam thielen
0: yeah
2: yeah i definitely agree with those i think you know maybe not super positive either you know dk was kind of absent he didn't have his best game he was you know had some you know physical you know personal penalties going on that hurt the team. He had a couple of drops. He wasn't really a factor down the field. I mean, he had a handful of nice catches in the short intermediate game, but not Mm -hmm. the impact that you would look for out of DK. So hopefully he can, you know, rub that one off and and be good to go in this game. We need him to be a bigger impact, making more game-breaking plays that we're used to seeing out of him. then sticking with the passing game and going on a theme that we've talked about on the show already a couple of times is let's get our tight ends involved, particularly Gerald Everett in the passing game. You know, that was one of our big free agent signings. I think we targeted him twice. He made one catch for like three or four yards only. So I think getting that middle of the field with the tight ends, get some passes to them. Whether it's Gerald Everett or Will Disley, you guys know I'm a sucker for Billy Bozeman, Uncle Will Disley. So we'd love to see either of them get more involved. And I know we have another key player here to watch, Connor, and I know you feel pretty strongly about this person's performance last week, so I'll let you take it away.
0: Yeah, uh, you know, like my picks of, you know, like this guy could be a top three defender in in the league. And, you know, we just paid him a boatload of money. So um, I'm talking about none other than safety Jamal Adams, who played like absolute horseshit on Sunday, um, was not a factor at all in that game. You got, okay. You acquired this guy for two main reasons. One was to cover a tight end, okay? Namely, like a George Kittle. Okay, We have really good tight ends in the NFC West and and you know, you want a good safety to be able to cover those guys. Uh, did not do that on Sunday. Didn't really do that on against the Colts either. Jack Doyle actually had a decent game against us, but yeah anyway, that's the first reason why you got Jamal Adams. The second re- reason you got Jamal Adams was to be able to help in run defense, okay? He was, he was garbage against the run on Sunday. Most notably, the 60-yard touchdown by Derrick Henry. His jockstrap is still on the fucking 40-yard line right now. Pretty bad. <laughs> so, Jamal's not living up to the hype right now, okay? We just paid this guy $18 million a year. And Pete Carroll goes on radio today, or in his press conference. I'm not sure which one it was. And he says... We're still trying to figure out how to use Jamal Adams. That's not great. What the fuck, man?
2: <laughs> oh yeah, we just bought this 18 million dollar car, but I don't really know how to turn it on yet.
0: Yeah, it's Maybe. like you bought a stick shift and you don't know how to drive stick. What the hell are you doing, dude? <laughs> and we know that Pete has his like fucking, you know, he he says stupid shit all the time and he just kind of gets talking. He likes the sound of his own voice sometimes, but Come on man, you don't say that about your 18 million dollar like he's or 17 and a half, I guess. What? He's he's just under Bobby. Well, so I think we can round like it up for a year. Yeah, but it's fine. 18 a year. It just it drives me nuts that they just they they first off traded two first round picks for this dude and then they pay him and they still don't know how to use him. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I love I, this passion for you, A little
1: Tyra. bit
2: of an overreaction. I baby. know. <laughs> yeah, overreaction
1: Monday. <laughs> you yeah.
2: were pretty pumped when we signed him.
0: I was because I thought they had a plan for him this year.
2: I think that they have a plan for him, and Pete Carroll's just saying dumb shit like Pete Carroll says dumb shit.
0: Okay, and what do you saying, need to see from Jamal Adams then? What do you guys need to see from Jamal Adams?
2: Well, I mean, listen, if anybody on the podcast has been, you know, critical of Jamal Adams, it's been this guy. So I don't know what you want me to say.
0: You want to see him yapping?
2: Hell no. (laughs) Get us 15-yard penalties left and right. I'm glad he reeled that shit in. But, I mean, if it's going (laughs) to – He he hasn't
0: made any plays to be able to do that yet. I
2: know. Well, it didn't stop him from talking smack last year. I mean, I think you got to see him have more of a presence at the line of scrimmage. That's really his – you know, bread and butter. He didn't really see him in on too many, you know, pass rushes, which again, like I'm not a huge fan of relying on the safety for pass rush, but like he is a lethal pass rusher, regardless what position he plays. You have to utilize not this year, set. though. No, I'm not just been saying
0: two games.
1: It's been two
2: games, I know, but, but like you also rush the passer seen him.
0: like eight times in zero hurries. Like and typically if a safety is pass rushing, they're going to be relatively unblocked. They have to beat a running back and he should be able to beat a running back.
2: Yeah. One of the things that I'll disagree with you on Connor is like, I don't think, I don't look at Jamal Adams as like, we got him for the number one reason to cover tight ends. Like he's not a great cover safety. He's not. I don't
0: think he's, he definitely hasn't shown that in a Seahawks uniform.
2: No, but I mean, ideally that's what he should be able to do. I didn't, I don't, again, me being the more critical person of him on the podcast here, like I don't have the expectation that he's going to be able to lock up a George Kittle or a Travis Kelsey. Like that's just not something I've seen him do. But I do expect him to be very physical presence at the line of scrimmage and run support, pass rushing. And we just haven't seen that out of him in the early goings of the season. So, you know, really what I'm looking for out of him in this weekend's game is less about what he's going to do with tight ends or necessarily getting a sack. I want to see him help neutralize Dalvin cook. Sure. I would rather have Jamal Adams be covering Dalvin cook than Bobby Wagner. And so like, if I'm going to look for a matchup where I want to see Jamal Adams make his presence known and felt and make an impact on the game, it is tackling Dalvin cook. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. not letting him catch the ball or tackling him in space. I would love to see him get a sack this weekend, but you know, I probably I am in the boat that like he's not worth rounding up to $18 million. But um, if you're asking me what I want to see out of him to make it feel like it's a little bit more worthwhile, I think being able to neutralize – a stud running back like Dalvin Cook would go a long ways in terms of being like, all right, he's rebounded from a bad two weeks.
1: 100%. I mean, the Vikings, they completed all but four of their passes against Arizona less than 10 yards, right? And a lot over the center and a lot to Dalvin Cook and his other receivers. So that's Jamal Adams' area, right? He's that presence. He's going to be down near the box and in that yep. space. And so we need him to come across and make those tackles, especially in the center. Um, so that's where you're going to see the value. Not covering whoever Minnesota's tight end is right now. I
2: don't, I don't even this. know who uh, their tight end. Yeah, because they the lost is, Rudolph.
1: Yeah, he's injured. They so. lost Rudolph. Well, Tyler job, Conklin. Yeah, whatever. So he's not the he's not one of the elite tight ends in the game. I should right. say. So well,
2: we might make him look like an elite tight end well, after fair. this
0: weekend. Fair, fair, fair. <laughs> probably true. Probably true. Well, let's yeah, talk some keys to this better. game. Yeah, for sure. Let's talk some keys to this game since we've since we've kind of gone off about Jamal Adams now. Um, well, you did.
2: Well, I, I was I was supportive of it. I don't think that he's yeah. played well.
0: You had you had better analysis. I just screamed. That's pretty much all I want is. to
1: see. The, I wanted to hear that passion after I listened to the Montana podcast for the UW game. I didn't feel that.
0: I was so like, I, I was still was in shock. Such, I'm still in yeah, shock. I was such a, I was in such a numb place that I didn't know what to say. So that's I'm where sorry. I was. Yeah, Fair
1: It's enough. okay. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Keys to the game. Yeah. You better Keys be careful
2: bringing game. up the Huskies. We're going to lose this whole podcast on a Hoganson tangent here.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. Keys that's to the true. game. Justin wants to keep this under an hour, guys. So if we start ho- talking Huskies, oh boy. Should we do Keys of the Game? Yeah. Yeah.
2: I think we should okay. do that.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fair enough. So, yeah. first one do something that they did not do a great job of doing against Derek Henry on Sunday, though. 60 of those yards came on one run. And they were up to that point doing a pretty good job. But after that, like, it was just a beat down by derrick henry didn't we, can,
2: we we contained him pretty well in the first half wasn't he at only yeah. like 37 or like 40 yards rushing in the first he was half? at 40
0: or 50 yards but they gave yeah. him. yeah they had like a lot of
1: carries though so yeah, yeah th- i would say that was pretty good in containing yeah. derrick henry so yeah i mean i'd be content with containing Dalvin cook. I mean, along with Henry, he's a top five back in the NFL, and I don't know where oh, he is yeah. in the top five, but he's clearly a top five running back. And so even just containing him and he's, you know, Derek Henry had a lot of dump offs, way more, uh, he's way more of a pass threat than he normally is against the Seahawks. Um, mm-hmm. but Dalvin cook actually is a passing uh, pass yeah. threat. So we need to neutralize him and making sure he is covered at all places. So um, let's put on- some
2: numbers on that, Justin, like, what do you, what would you walk away from the game on Sunday? feeling like we contained him. Like how many rushing yards or receiving yards or combined yards would you like to keep Dalvin Cook under?
1: I would like to keep him under 100 total total. Oh
2: shit. That would be real nice. That'd be
1: real nice. I think realistically, I think 110, 115 combined yardage um, would be decent. Yeah, I Anything think if over you keep that, him that is under is 100 damaging.
2: I think if you keep him under 150 that's like
1: That's a lot i think that's
2: like i mean what's he i guess what is he averaging now
1: i mean i mean he's averaging
2: 130 yeah so hold him less than that i'm okay with but yeah i guess your point is like if you really want to lock him up it's probably closer to 100 combined
1: the problem with doing focusing resources on our limited defense is that will open up um, Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen, and so if you're it, pick your poison,
2: this Vikings offense poses a lot of problems for the Seahawks defense. Yes, it does. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's going like, to be
1: high school. It's not like they were contained against Arizona, who has a good pass rush. I mean, they scored 33; should have won the game yeah. with 36 points. I mean, they were they were motoring.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean I they know. had
1: a defensive touchdown, I believe, but still, like they they had no problems on offense against Arizona.
0: Yeah, I'd like to keep Dalvin like under. If we keep him under like seventy-five yards rushing, I think I'm pretty happy.
2: I'd be pumped.
0: Yeah, I mean we just Delvin... gave
2: up a buck eighty-five to Derrick Henry.
0: You're I fair. know, but like. I'd... We were on pace to give up like maybe 90 yards on the ground up until that 60 yard.
2: Yeah. And I run. think that that goes back to the thread we were talking about earlier too. Like how much of that is the offense not giving the defense a break? Sure. Like Derrick Henry really started to rumble towards the end of the third quarter yeah. through the fourth quarter like defense is tired.
0: So I like don't say- care. You're on the field for 40 minutes and you're you're going to get run
1: on. So, like and you don't, don't keep- want to you're saying a key to the game then is staying on the field if you're the yeah. offense then, yeah, sure, yeah. With whether that is running, which you know, I think we need a little more run-pass balance. Let's not, get, let's not let's not get crazy with that. You know, I'm with wow. you. Justin, I am, I
2: am in agreement with Justin Geiger.
0: Justin wants Chris Carson, HB Dive
2: all day, every day. HB all
0: day. Dive.
1: Okay, well let's let's be let's be clear here. I like I'm a big fan of the counter little stretch. ISO plays, The stretch. stretch, I'm a big fan of that on Madden. I yeah. gash Sam with that 20 yards every oh, time. Oh please,
2: dude, You're... chalk it up. Let's look at the scoreboard.
1: D Eskridge coming on the fly sweeps that I think you could you know stretch the Vikings defense out. Um, So, yeah, I think you need a little more balance. I think Russell probably needs needs the ball more than we run it. But, yeah, I think 13 carries pretty much in total is not good enough. Um, Yeah. I'd also
2: like to see Russell use his legs a little bit more as a threat.
0: Yeah. I'd like to just get him outside of the pocket a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. Rolling out for sure. Yeah. So I I don't really necessarily – it gives him the option to run – there if if he's outside the pocket but more so i just i think he's dangerous with his legs outside of the pocket like that's just he can see the field better he's not the tallest guy in the world he right he he can pass from the pocket but he he's lethal outside of the pocket so yeah
2: and i would also love to just see him i mean he's let's not get anything twisted here he's not lamar jackson obviously
0: no but like (laughs) he's a
2: very athletic quarterback He's not elite athlete at the quarterback position anymore, but he's very athletic. He can be very dangerous with his legs. And I feel like that running threat that he used to be isn't even a thought in defensive coordinators' minds anymore. So I'd love to see him incorporate more like read option type running plays where you really put stress and pause on the edge rushers where they're not just crashing down all the time. I, I just think that's such a underutilized part of Russell Wilson's game. I think he plays really smart. He doesn't take unnecessary hits. He gets down when he needs to. He gets out of bounds when he needs to. I just think being able to, like, add that element into a defensive player, like a, a defensive end outside linebackers game and mindset just helps keep them a half a step slower than they have been. And I think we've strayed away from that a little bit. I'm not calling for Russell Wilson to go off for like 50 plus rushing yards every game, but I think at least putting that look on film, putting that look on tape during the game just feels like a really easy way to add an extra thing for the defense to think about or react to that. We have totally strayed away from.
0: They do. You see it come back a little bit and like drives at the end of games at least in like most recent years, you'll see Russell use his legs a little bit more. They'll do they'll do like some read option stuff, even sometimes in like late, late game drives if they need a drive. So it, I wouldn't say it's like completely abandoned at this point, but yeah, for sure, it's not as much of a factor in this offense as it used to be yeah. early Russell years. So Justin, I think I interrupted you. Were you going to say something?
1: No, I mean same same sentiment as you just said. I just if we're gonna run read option, Russell has to show uh, that he has the goals to you know keep the ball once in a sure. while. We've done it, and you know we do the you know the read option, but he never keeps it. And so
0: like yeah. the unless just, unless it's, unless it's like game. inside of yeah, unless it's like yeah. inside of two minutes or something, and we need to drive. Right, yeah,
1: right. I, uh, just the you know in the second quarter with seven minutes, there's no way Russell's keeping that ball or at least he hasn't shown it in for a long, long time. So the defenders are just crashing anyway. So I'm wondering if that's, you know, I agree in theory, I would love that, but I'm wondering if that could be a waste of time and if Russell's not willing to keep the ball.
2: Yeah, which I guess goes back to my point earlier too. Like whose offense is it? Looks a lot like, (laughs) yeah, I guess Pete Carroll's maybe, (laughs) yeah. What are week, some other week keys? One, in the game? Week
0: one looked pretty intricate, dude. I think I mean I think this offense has a lot of potential. Um, it does. I mean, we're it's week two, right? Let's not get crazy yeah. over. Yeah. We're, I mean, no, we'll it's
2: get... a stacked offense talent-wise.
0: Mm-hmm. For if sure. If we're talking if we're talking about this offense and we get back to week one, we got to incorporate the quick passing game again in this yeah. in this Um we just need we need more. Intricacy to this offense. We need we need more variety to this passing game than just deep shots. You know, you gotta you gotta get the ball out of Russell's hands. The pass pass protection wasn't nearly as good week two as it was in week one, but a lot of that also had to do with that the ball was out of Russell's hands a lot quicker in week one. And that's an easy way to have your pass protection not really even be a factor, is if you get the ball out of Russell's hands within two seconds. So I would like to see a little bit more of that. Um, I think they strayed away from it too much. And again, I don't know if that's a scheme thing, a schematic thing, or if that was on Russ, that might've been on Russ. Like I would not be surprised if he checked out of that stuff or he maybe, maybe his first read was to go quick to someone and he won the deep shot. He thought he saw something pretty snap and he won the deep shot. Russ has been known, like I said earlier to, take a deep shot over what's given to him probably too many times so that's that's kind of his fo- like what makes russell so great is he's able to make something out of nothing but he's also a quarterback that makes nothing out of something and i can't take credit for that saying that's complete Hugh Millen jargon right there which i trust is, <laughs> his take a lot but he's totally right though i mean Russ will have a check down that's like 10 yards in front of him and is going to pick up 15 or 20 yards and he'll heave something 50 yards downfield to try to get the deep play for the home yeah. run. So um, you, you got to pick you got to pick your time to do that, I think. And Russ is still learning that at this at this stage of his career, unfortunately. Um, I think
2: the other so- benefactor to that as well as DK. I know everybody yeah. likes the flashy plays that DK makes down the field, but he is a massive wide receiver in the NFL. Yeah. Super strong, big bodied wide receiver. He really thrives in the intermediate range. And we saw that a little bit in the Titans game, but I want to see more of that as well. Like let's get some more timing routes on short intermediate routes, get get Russell to get the ball to DK quicker. And I mean, he's just somebody that you get the ball to his hands anywhere on the field. You don't know what he's going to be able sure. to do with it. So I think, you know, going back to players to watch, when I mentioned DK Metcalf, like I think he needs to have a bigger presence and we need to have more of an emphasis getting him the ball in that short to intermediate range for sure. Mm-hmm.
0: I couldn't agree more.
2: And that opens up the flashy deep balls to him as well. It's like if he's running a seam route, of the time it's pretty easy to defend that. Just give them a big ass cushion. Right. Safety over the top, and that's done deal.
0: (laughs) Justin, any thoughts on the quick passing game? I know you and your levels could take an hour here if you wanted to talk levels concepts, but uh yeah,
1: I mean, I agree. We just need more of it, right? Not I mean, I echo everything you said. I have nothing to add. Yeah, we definitely need some quick passing game.
0: Yeah, the the last thing that I I have to add here, and Justin, you alluded to it earlier with just the mismatch that we're gonna have on the outside, especially with our corners versus the Vikings receivers. The one thing that we had in week one that we didn't have m- as much in week two, at least it was way more inconsistent, is pass rush. We need to see a consistent pass rush getting Kirk Cousins' face. He's a total pa- pocket passer. You get him off of his off of his like out of his pocket like he's not good he's not good if you get him off balance so we need to pressure kirk cousins because otherwise he will like if he stands back there in the po- pocket he could thread you all day like he he's fully capable of doing that um, which he has so these I, first two
1: weeks by the way yeah, he's had sure. time and he's destroying or i mean not destroying but he's played really well these first two weeks and It's been shown that when uh, Cousins is kept clean, he has an EPA of 0.4. And when he faces a decent amount of pressure, he's negative 0.4. So that's a big, big difference in terms of EPA
2: stand for Environmental Protection Agency.
1: Exactly, Sam. <laughs> um so when he is faced under pressure no seriously so he, what the hell does he it mean i don't know what does EPA of, mean? he takes a lot of you know pollution on the field and it's just really bad overall um, so.
2: <laughs> no in all seriousness what does it mean
1: um expected points added i think i can't remember the exact connor correct me if i'm wrong um, that's that's correct okay gotcha. so it's like okay. you know if he faces pressure the vikings you know have less potential for points essentially gotcha. so it means that he's worse a fancy way of saying he's 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 a
0: negative to the team if he faces pressure basically okay
1: and so that 0.8 difference between like no pressure and pressure is like a pretty big gap of like considering all the quarterbacks gaps of pressure and no pressure
2: gotcha okay that makes sense
1: epa for you know he's i mean toxic waste on the field is (laughs)
0: possible nice it works nice nice Nice, Justin.
2: So as somebody who didn't actually watch the game this past weekend, I guess the Titans, I was doing some work around the house and listening to the game on the radio. I didn't have a great pulse on what the pass rush looked like. But, mm-hmm. I mean, if I'm looking at the stats for the year, I mean, we have six sacks in two games, three sacks apiece in each game. Mm-hmm. Like, on paper, I would I would take that. But I guess without yeah. having watched it, something you alluded to Connor is the inconsistency there. Like you can get three sacks on three plays and not really get a QB yeah. hurry for the rest of the game. Like, what did that, is that what you saw? What were your thoughts? Um, Cause like production wise, I would take three sacks a game all season.
0: Sure. I mean, I think, I think it was just a context thing for me. Um, the Titans gave up five sacks to Chandler Jones alone the week before and their Shit. offensive line. <laughs> Their offensive line is garbage. And they were uh, decimated. They lost
1: Lawan before the game. Yep.
0: And then, yeah, one of their best guards, if not their best guard. Uh, Saffold. Saffold.
1: Saffold, or
0: Saffold or yeah. yeah. I called him Scaffold. Scaffolding. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's kind of what he looked like out there. Um, but uh, yeah, he got injured. And so, I mean, they were down two of their top linemen um pretty much their only legit player on their line at that point was like their right tackles okay but I mean that we should have been able to abuse them way more from a pass rushing perspective um
1: and it wasn't consistent like you were saying it wasn't like Bobby Wagner had a big play I think Al Woods or someone else had a big play as well but like and then constantly Tannehill could stand out there, standard there. We didn't make him move out of the pocket that much. He was just dicing and then the yeah. quick passes as well. So we, you know, they were just dumping it off. And he had the time to scan the field and dump it off too. So yeah, the consistently generating pressure was an issue that we didn't have against the Colts week one, but also Wentz is terrible. So
0: yeah, Rashim Green was really good in week one, and he was kind of a zero in, in week two. So did he get many
2: snaps?
0: He, he, he played. Um. yeah I guess I don't know his snap count but because I, mean, I mean that's, that's the other that interesting
2: good. thing that I've looked at looking at the stats is like yeah you have six sacks but with six different players and it seemed like week sure. one it was what what was it R- Rasheem Green Benson Mayowa Daryl Taylor Darrell Taylor mm-hmm. and then Darryl this Taylor, week yeah. yeah and then this week it's Al Woods Alton Robinson and Bobby Wagner yep. so it's like does you know who's missing from that is Carlos Dunlap, Jamal Adams, sure. Kerry Hyder? Mm-hmm. So I guess there's your three sacks against the Vikings,
0: yeah, probably. <laughs> Daryl Taylor looked really good in week one, too, and he was, yeah, a he did. So, um, yeah, I'd like to see him bounce back as well. It, there's a lot of guys that just it, they didn't play as well, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Um, I think Brian Monet was a was a bigger loss than probably most people would have would have circled going into this game um, against the titans. So hopefully he's he's healthy for this game. Because we're our defensive tackle depth is an issue. Like we only have three guys that are active on game day. Um and you see rasheem Green slide inside, but he's a liability on rundowns if he's inside. So he's way more of a pass rush artist. So all right. How do you guys see this game going? We've done a lot of analysis here on some of the mismatches and players to watch and keys to the game. But how do you, how do you actually see this, this unfolding? And do you see the Hawks coming out on top? Justin, why don't we start with you?
1: It's going to be a hot. I can't imagine this being a low scoring game. I just, no. I, I just don't see it. Um, Indoors. Both, teams have a, both teams have a pretty good offense and suspect defenses. Um, I think what these teams will do is play a lot of like deep safeties. And so I think the Vikings are going to try to limit the big plays that we've got to lock it and Swain. And so you're going to have longer drives and shorter 10 yard completions, which is really nice. So that'll extend the drives a little bit and make it a little more low scoring than a high octane shootout. So I'm going to go 34, 31 Seahawks um, with the caveat of they need to get pressure on Kirk Cousins or else we we're in pretty big danger with our corners this game Sam
2: yeah I echo a lot of the same sentiments I think it's going to be extremely high scoring game I have the Hawks winning 45 to 42 Ooh. really high scoring I think that Vikings offense is going to pose some serious issues for our defensive backfield I think you know trying to cover Justin Jefferson Adam Thielen KJ Osborne's been coming on strong Dalvin cook and running the football, catching the football. It's just too many problems and we don't have enough skill position, defensive players to match up with that. So I think the Vikings are going to score a bunch on this defense on the flip side. I think there's a lot the Seahawks can get on this Vikings defense as well. I think they have, a solid pass rusher. I think Connor, you called him out earlier. Hunter's really solid. I think he's got four sacks on the season already, Mm -hmm. but outside of that, I mean, Patrick Peterson's probably, you know, hall of fame type corner, but he's older, slower. I think Tyler Lockett, DS Gridge, DK can make something happen against this defensive backfield really, the only person back there that seems really solid. their safeties are good Xavier Woods and Harrison Smith are pretty good but Harrison Smith's more of like a in-the-box safety anyways so I anticipate both offenses having great days it's going to be a long day for both defenses I just have a feeling based on the way that things have gone historically at least in recent history with the teams that the Seahawks are going to find a way to kick that extra field goal at the end of the game and win 45, 42. How about you, Connor? seems like we're all kind of on a similar track here.
0: Yeah. I don't, I don't have much to add from an analysis standpoint, but I will tell you how it's going to go at the end and we're going to be down 35 to 34. And then uh, Russ is going to actually engineer a field goal drive when we need it. And Jason Myers is going to redeem himself from missing an extra point this last week and hit the game-winning field goal as time expires. So the Hawks are going to succeed this week, 37-35 to over the Vikings.
1: We're all pretty heavy on the over. The over-under is 55 in this game, so we're all heavy.
0: I would over on that
2: all day.
1: (laughs) For the sports bettors out there, I mean, I'm the lowest. Sam and I have talked
0: about how we should not be going to Vegas, but we're going to fucking Vegas, and we're putting the over on that. (laughs) You betcha. Actually, we can do that in Washington casinos now, right? Yeah, you can go to yeah, you can go to a casino,
1: I believe, and do it.
2: I'm so bummed. We, I mean, you I'm not even. A, I'm not a gambling guy, but I would dabble if we could do online sports betting. Yeah, draft five
1: dollar yeah. parlay. Oh, draft yeah. games would be fun. Yeah,
2: hell yeah. That would be come fun. on, Insley, get it together. Let us do <laughs> some sports betting. Forget about this whole COVID thing. And let's talk about sports bets. Well. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yesterday's news yesterday's news oh yeah Yeah, wait that's still
2: going on (laughs) two years later
0: yeah all right guys anything else you guys have to add before we wrap up for the evening
2: not really i think it's a this is a pivotal or pivotal matchup for the seahawks i mean it's a tough gauntlet to start the season with Mm -hmm. the colts titans and vikings pretty tough start in terms of non-divisional opponents so I it's early in the season but it feels like a really important win for us yeah. you drop it at home against the titans you got to make it up on the road with the vikings mm-hmm. and go into that matchup against your first divisional opponent with the 49ers with a winning record i think is really important so super early in the season but this it's too early to call it a must win game but it kind of feels like it to a certain extent
1: yeah i was gonna say that it's too early but the rest of the division is two and zero, which is unique to yeah. the, NFC the NFC West. NFC yeah. West, and maybe the AFC West, but the NFC West is the toughest division in football, right? You have some other divisions in the NFC East where you have some one and one and zero and two teams, and you know it goes down the list. But we have to keep pace. All the three, all four of these teams are looking like they can make the playoffs, and so to go one and two and to fall two games back to some of these teams is going to be brutal.
2: Yeah
0: can't uh can't disagree there it's um it's about as must win as a week three game can be I think just yeah, we'll based say off that. Of, yeah yeah based off of uh, the week two performance. So if we were two and0, I think we'd have a little bit of room to to wiggle on this game going yeah. into San Francisco the following week. Um, that's going to be obviously a massive game, but I think you got you gotta win this game, especially at being an, an, an NFC opponent as well that uh, that conference record always seems to matter at the end of the year. All right. Well, thanks for listening, folks. As always, we appreciate the support. Subscribe and follow if you haven't already and leave us a message via the Anchor link in our description. Until next time.
2: Go Hawks!